letter ten of the outcast by william winwood reed this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine letter ten before dr chalmers left england he saw me embarked in my new profession if such it can be called he begged me to accept from him a small annuity but i said my hundred fifty pounds a year was almost sufficient for my wants and the rest i ought to earn for myself he then introduced me to his publishers jansen and haynes in paternoster row this firm now extinct was famous in its day for the publication of the classics of original scientific works of translations from the german of lexicons encyclopedias annotated catalogues and so forth now my father had taught me german account of its value in dogmatique and the doctor had made me take it up again on account of its value in geology french and a little italian i had learnt from my mother i had a general smattering of science while the prima classis before my name in the university calendar incontestably proved my classical learning and made a profound impression on the firm having first tested my capacity for work they set me on their paternoster cyclopedia which was rather out of date to correct its errors and insert the latest additions to knowledge as change of work is a species of repose i was also employed to enlarge and improve a greek lexicon which they had published for the use of colleges and schools i agreed to produce a stated quantity of copy per week and they to pay me the sum of three pounds for the same thus i had now three hundred pounds a year and was perfectly content i took lodgings near the british museum in the reading-room of which my days were passed it was not the magnificent hall i once took you to see the paradise of learned loungers and spectacled flirts but a dingy apartment frequented by none but genuine students at first i was obliged to work very hard and had not an hour to myself but when i had hit upon a system and learnt the art of reference i was able to complete my appointed task at the museum and could study in the evening for my own pleasure and improvement i must own that often i felt my existence lonely and monotonous the days followed one another and all except sundays were the same one evening as i sat by my fire i said to myself what a poor life is this drudging from morning to night just to earn food and lodgings and clothes you have no one to care for you no one to converse with no friend not even an acquaintance you say good morning to your landlady at the lodgings and you make some remark about the weather to the man who takes charge of your umbrella at the museum you go once a week to paternoster row hand your roll of manuscript across the counter and receive three sovereigns in an envelope such are the social pleasures you enjoy there is no place for you in the human family years will pass and your life will not change and at length you will become an old man and unloved unpitied will go down with sorrow to the grave then i felt sick at heart and the tears rose to my eyes and i thought of the happiness i had lost oh margaret dear margaret i cried do you still remember do you still lament do you weep for me as i weep for you does a vision haunt you sleeping and awake by night a dream by day a memory past are the joys of love the thirsty kisses and the long embrace past are the hours of chaste converse and tender confidence past are the hopes that once were all assured none but margaret can be my wife and she for me is dead and buried in the grave i must go through life solitary and alone 
no pretty children will clamber on my knee alone 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 o oh god my father and my friend you have poured love into my heart and my nature is affectionate must i be lonely and childless is that indeed my destiny then i pray you assist me to bear life with patience to the end at that moment the servant brought in a copy of mrs carter's epictetus which i had ordered at a bookshop that day as i was coming home i opened it at hazard and began to read and soon as if by a magic spell my pains were charmed away my mind was filled with serene and elevated thoughts ah what a divine gift is that which by scattering some ink-drops on paper can after two thousand years still give solace to hearts in sickness and adversity it is said that the ancient egyptians placed over their public library this inscription the medicine of the soul and in all such melancholy hours as that i have described i used to take up a great writer of the past or present time and in half an hour my troubles were forgotten it was this antidote to sorrow and also my discipline of daily work which saved me from brooding on my woes i do not think that i loved margaret less than she loved me but i certainly suffered less as i was soon to learn one day i met mr jameson in new oxford street to my surprise his face brightened up when he saw me and he said ah here you are i've been looking for you everywhere looking for me mr jameson i repeated well no said he not exactly that but i've been in london some time stillbrook is let and i've been always expecting to see you in the theatre saloons or larking about at the finish or some of those places and pray sir i asked why should you expect to find me in such scenes of dissipation why ain't you an infidel he said and don't they always knock about town but there i didn't mean to offend you why you're as red as a turkey-cock is there any place handy where we can have a quiet bit of chat i took him to my lodgings which were small but comfortable well said he this is a snug little crib and the governor ain't cut up rough after all i explained to him what my circumstances were and said that thank god i had as much money as i wanted thank god said he then you do believe there's a god after all certainly i do well then you believe in the bible too no said i not all of it my dear fellow he said you contradict yourself for how can you believe in god and not believe in god's word but then never mind that's not the point that's not the point he walked up and down the room muttering according to his wont when excited or disturbed three hundred a year isn't much but it's bread it's bread will your father disinherit you mr edward do you think that i should say was certain i replied he went on walking backwards and forwards saying bad sir bad but it must be done there's no choice no choice i was much puzzled by this strange behaviour and the questions he asked and his evident anxiety as he waited for my answers something rose within me too vague to be called hope a kind of expectation finally mr jameson put on his gloves and said i want to see you on particular business will you call at this private hotel in half moon street at nine o'clock this evening i went there at nine o'clock and was shown into a large dimly lighted drawing-room a young woman came in and advanced hastily towards me it was margaret's maid please to sit down said she pointing to the sofa near which i was standing jane i said tell me sit down sir said she i sat down it is all right she said with emphasis and miss margaret will be down directly 
my head swam round and fell back on the pillow of the sofa so i thought muttered the girl no jane i said i have not fainted but it was very near bear up sir she said and be calm do not agitate my mistress she is still very ill what has happened i asked what has happened she said bitterly why what else could have happened when you ran off like a thief in the night miss margaret took ill and since that day she has never laughed nor cried and she never said a word but just pined and pined away and then the doctor and mrs watson told her father that he must find you for her again or she would die and he promised he would and that made her hearten up a little oh sir be kind to her for she's the best young lady in the world and she's going to send me away because you can't afford her a maid and my old mother's got only my wages to live on or i'd serve her gladly for nothing oh dear i put a sovereign into her hand and said there jane give that to your mother or buy something pretty for yourself and you must not mind leaving your mistress for you will get married yourself before very long i dare say this vulgar panacea for the woes of the lower classes seldom fails of its effect and jane wiped her eyes smiled dropped me a curtsey and saying i wish you all happiness sir and many of them went out of the room i waited the moments seemed hours and she did not come the lamp burned dimly and cast vague shadows on the ceiling overhead the fire crackled in the grate the furniture creaked hasty footsteps passed along the street piccadilly murmured in the distance why did she not come presentiments assailed me her father had changed his mind she had fallen ill a misfortune had happened i cast myself in a chair by the fire and resigned myself to melancholy thoughts then suddenly something quivered through me like a flame i felt that she was standing by my side but was this my beautiful margaret pale and hollow were her cheeks and the dress hung loosely on her wasted form she looked at me sadly with her sweet blue eyes i drew her towards me and kissed her pale and trembling lips i took her on my knees and laid her head upon my breast thus she remained sometimes uttering a sigh sometimes nestling her head more closely to my bosom as one who had been long weary and would sleep two hours glided by the girl came in to take her to bed i rose and said to-morrow no other word passed between us in this meeting sad as a farewell end of letter ten recording by expatriate in bangor maine